0: I'm going to be in uh, John uh, chapter 6. I'm going to be looking uh, at verse 16. If you would join uh, me in reading, I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. It says this When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. What I want to focus on uh, in the time that we have is is to simply expand on this statement. Jesus's arrival startles what you see in in this uh, story is that the disciples aren't frightened by the wind. They're not frightened by the storm. They're not frightened by the waves. It is Jesus's arrival amongst them that startles them. I mean, it makes sense, right? Because they have no context for this. They have no context for someone walking on water. Not only that, I mean, put yourselves in in their feet. Put yourselves in this story and try to imagine what's taking place. There's no way that you are comforted as you are in the middle of the night, in the middle of the lake, And suddenly see a figure walking on the water towards you. You're not sitting there and thinking, yet this is completely normal. The disciples are frightened by Jesus when they see him walking toward them. As I think about that, what I think about is that you actually see this common response amongst humanity. When heaven or heaven's messengers make their sudden appearance amongst us. The response is for humanity to be startled, to be frightened, to be filled with fear when heaven suddenly appears before them. And and that makes sense. Because one, you see the fullness and the glory and the power of God on display. And that would shock you. It would startle you. It would be something that would suddenly cause fright within you because you are seeing something that you don't have a normal context for. You're encountering something that is so other than. It would startle you. It would cause you to be in a place of trying to figure out what in the world you are encountering. But I think simultaneously what happens, like we see in the book of Isaiah, where we would, how could we not see ourselves in contrast to what we're glimpsing? That when we see the fullness of God on display, our response probably would be like Isaiah to say, woe is me like I am a man of unclean lips and I have a a people of unclean lips that to see God on display would 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 cause fright within us when uh when Mark tells his account of this in the book of Mark what he tells us is that while the disciples were rowing amidst the storm, Jesus intended to pass them by. He intended to walk past them. And that kind of causes you to scratch your head a bit, right? Just like, why would he do that? Why would Jesus walk? Like, did he intend to just wave and say, hey, guys, how's it going? And then keep on walking along. But actually what you see that Mark is attempting to highlight, or he does highlight for us, is to contrast what's happening with Moses and the Lord. That that same phrase, that same term, terminology, passing them by, is what uh, God did for Moses, that, that God passed by Moses. And that was a description of God showing his glory, allowing Moses to get a glimpse of who he is. And so what you find in this story is the disciples are startled because they are seeing a display of Jesus's glory it frightens them it's kind of like my uh, one of my favorite movies the Lion King right where the hyenas hear the name of Mufasa and their response is to say "Ooh, do it again do it again right because there's just something about that name that causes a response within them and over the pages of the gospel narratives specifically you will see these times that the followers of Christ and the crowds around Christ are floored by who he is. And it causes something of a response within them. Jesus' arrival startles, it unsettles who we are. Right? You think about the Mount of Transfiguration. You think about this other place where Jesus calms the sea and the disciples respond, Who is this man that the winds and the waves obey him? You think about the centurion seeing Jesus at the moment of his death at that at the crucifixion. And his response is to say, truly, this man was the son of God, that he noticed that there was something unique and different when he was staring at Jesus. that the gospel writers are getting us to understand just by his arrival amongst us, it compels us to respond and it unsettles us. That his arrival here amongst us causes us to reevaluate. It should cause us to reevaluate the very environment that we exist in. I, I think about it this way. I think about the fact that there are times when my parents would walk into my room when I was a kid and when they did, the response usually was to suddenly evaluate the state of my room. Was suddenly to see my room in a completely different light because now all of a sudden I'm not seeing my room from my standards of who I am. I'm now seeing my room from the standards of who they are. How could I not stop and evaluate the state in which I'm living compared to how they, uh, how I see them living, right? And how they have kept their their spaces in the house completely different than how I would keep the spaces in which I was living. But it's in, it's in that place of being frightened. It's in that place of being startled and seeing uh, the power of Jesus on display. I think it's also extremely important for us to remember the heart of Christ. Because yes, his arrival startles but i can misinterpret his arrival as a threat and sure his arrival is a threat to my way of life to to living life by according to my own understanding he will shake that up and transform that and recalibrate it but his presence compels me to change and his presence should should Show me that he is for me and not out to get me. Again, when you look at Mark's account of this, this is the way that he describes Jesus walking on the water. It says he's, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea. And Jesus was alone on the land. And from that place on the land, he saw that they were making headway painfully for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them. What Mark's account allows us to see and to remember is that Jesus's intention of showing his full power to show his glory, to pass by the disciples was not a threat. It was an invitation that he saw them in their place of pain. He saw them painfully working against the winds and the waves and the sea. And and so Jesus then, even walking on the water, it's also this highlight that that he's walking not just on calm water but he's walking in the midst of a storm that the seas are are raging that the waters are moving and Jesus is still just simply walking showing his demonstration of power authority sovereignty the fact that he is over the winds and the waves, and they will not unsettle him. They will not shift him. They will not change him. He will be steadfast and sure-footed as he's walking along this raging sea. And it's there, it's there in that, that place of chaos, you see a calm and peaceful Christ. And it's in there in that midst of chaos is that they have the raging storm around them. You see Jesus intending to show his full power and it startles the disciples. It startles them. It causes them to be filled with fright. I would also say it causes them to be filled with wonder, with awe. They are looking, peering at the awesome God and his glory on display. And this Jesus' Jesus's intention is that again, from the book of Mark, he sees their place of pain and he arrives amongst them in that moment to show his power. Why show his power? To show that it is there on their behalf. It is there for them. I've been reading this book, uh, Gentle and Lowly, written by Dane Ortland. I have found it to be such an encouraging read. But one of the things that he draws out for us is that is that Jesus's holiness is precisely why he doesn't cast out sinners and sufferers, but it is the reason why he is drawn to sinners and sufferers. Because in Jesus, you see compassion fully embodied. In Jesus, you see compassion without any hint of sin or being tainted by sin at all. And so this is what what he writes in, in one of his chapters. The cumulative testimony of the four gospels is that when Jesus Christ sees the fallenness of the world about him, his deepest impulse... His most natural instinct is to move toward that sin and suffering, not away from it. That the gospel accounts is, is this constant testimony and declaration for us. Jesus is drawn to the sinner and sufferer. That is his deepest impulse. That is his response to to. Be in this place. I love it. I love Mark's account. we just like he's in this place of interceding. He's praying. Who is What's he likely praying for? I mean, we get glimpses later on in the book of John. He's likely praying for us, praying for, for his, his mission here amongst humanity, right? His call to, to, to live and serve and dwell amongst us. And it's there in that place of prayer. He sees a humanity that's in a place of pain and suffering. And so what does he do? What is his natural response to show up in full power and glory? Intending to show us that he is there on our behalf. And I believe that as followers of Christ that as we are continuing to be in a place where we are shaped by him, we are more and more drawn to human suffering just like he is. We would see within us this continued growing desire to abide in the points of pain that exist around us and to not ignore them because we again see Jesus perfectly embodying compassion. We see that that is is how Jesus is is moving amongst humanity. You see that when he feeds the 5,000 and you see that in the way that he responds to the pain that the disciples are in. I, I heard one person convey it this way. In following Jesus, we become the place where the weeping of God meets the pain of the world. That in Christ, what we see on display is something that shocks us. It startles us. We see who he is and it and it unsettles us. But in that moment of being made unsettled by his, his perfect beauty and power on display, would we be reminded that that is on display on our behalf? on his, as an invitation to let him in to the boat with us, right? And you see that as the disciples response, once they realize that's Jesus. And once they hear him say, it's me, it's me. Don't be afraid. It says that they gladly let him into the boat. And I think that's a message that John is trying to convey over his entire gospel account is that humanity would have this response where we realize that is Jesus and I need to let him in to the boat to not be unsettled by him in a way that causes me to reject him, but to be unsettled by him and then embrace him. I think the other reason why the disciples find themselves startled or frightened is simply because they didn't expect Jesus Right. Like that they're not in the middle of the lake expecting that suddenly Jesus is going to be standing there amongst them, that that would cause them to be startled and uh, it would cause shock amongst them. They're surprised simply because they're surprised by him just showing up amongst them. They they didn't have expectation that Jesus would arrive there but it 's actually something that that John highlights for us over his gospel uh, account, right You look at at the beginning of his letter he he writes this: it says he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him it 's this place of of recognizing that here in this account, you could literally have a boatload of disciples. And still have not one of them recognize jesus it 's something woven through the entire uh, gospel that that John writes for us, but it's this, I think it 's also something that we need to to evaluate and receive in our own lives that certainly Jesus could be here amongst us, and we don 't even realize it and so that the longing that that happens within us is to say, Jesus, would you constantly do that work of recalibrating our expectations? Would you constantly do that work of refinement within us that grows our ability to discern your presence amongst us? Would you, would you constantly have us in a space where, where our expectations of you are reshaped and reformed so that we might better be able to receive you no matter what state we find ourselves in? And and so I think that as John writes this letter what I what I really believe is happening is is that the illumination that John hopes for is that that we would recognize Jesus as the one that we have been longing for. So that phrase, it is I do not be afraid, I believe is one of the banners that you can write over the book of John. That what what John is is causing people to remember or what, God, what John is causing people to believe in is that the one that the patriarchs looked forward to, the one that the law uh, talked about, the, the one that the prophets preached, the one that the festivals caused us to remember, it is Jesus. He's causing the, for, for the Jewish audience to say, Jesus is the culmination and the climax of all of your history. It is him. Do not be afraid. It is him. And for the Gentile readers, that we would see the power and the glory and and the compassion and the invitation on Christ of Christ on display. And that our response would not to be in a be in a place of fear, but to be in a place of embracing him. I think it's important to say, right, that. That Jesus didn't cause this storm that, that he didn't cause the winds and the waves to start picking up but from his vantage point he sees the pain that humanity that his disciples are trying to push through and he arrives amongst them and then he tells them it is I do not be afraid. And I think that whatever space we find ourselves in, whatever context we might be in, uh, in this moment, I think the invitation that we have from John is simply this. Even if we're startled by Jesus, would we, would we have a response that says, I would be glad to let him in to the boat. I will be glad to embrace him. Because I think the really re- important word for us to hear over the entire book of John is Jesus saying, don't be afraid, it is me. I may be shaking things up. I may be upsetting <laughs> the status quo and the way that things are approached amongst you, I may be arriving in a way that you didn't expect. And I may say some things like we're going to hear next week as we talk about the bread of life. I may say some things that cause confusion. Don't be afraid. It is me. Don't be afraid. It is I. And what you'll see next week is that you'll see a a group of people that hear the words of Jesus. They're made unsettled by it, but their response is to reject Jesus. Their response is to stop following him. I think that what John is hoping for is that we, we would have the response of the disciples, that we would have a response that says, even though I am shooken up by you, even though you unsettle things within me, even though I am frightened by you, Christ, I will gladly let you in the boat because I realize that it is to my benefit that your glory and your power and your might is on display. I realize that it is because you see me in the state that I am in, in the storm that I am navigating, and you don't just show up just to frighten me and make me feel bad about the state in which I find myself in, but you arrive to show that your power is on display for my benefit and for our benefit. and for our well-being and our flourishing and thriving so that we might have life and life to the full. Dear ones, my encouragement to you today, let Jesus into the boat. Whatever context you find yourself in, whatever circumstance you might be navigating, whatever storm you might be going through, let him into the boat and continue, would we continue to have that discipline, that practice, that rhythm amongst us where we would be asking ourselves, how can I grow in my awareness, my discernment of Jesus longing to dwell here with me? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the ways that you see us. And I think about What's written in the book of Mark is that you were in a place of prayer, that you were up on a mountaintop and you were praying. I imagine that you were praying for the very disciples that were struggling in that storm. But Lord, you pray for us. You intercede on our behalf. Your heart is so attuned towards us and so for us. And so Lord, we thank you for the ways that you constantly think about us, are for us and are with us. Thank you for dwelling here amongst us, Lord. And would we continue constantly to have that response of saying, Jesus, may I embrace you. May may," my response always to be, say, Jesus, step into my space. I gladly receive you. I gladly let you into the boat with me. Lord, we love you, and we're so grateful. For your pursuit of us. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen.